That word's not for everyone, but it's a particular person. You should have moved a long time ago. And you're missing it, and your family is suffering by it. That's a word. As surely as I'm speaking by the Spirit of God, that is a word for a person right now. That is God penetrating your heart. It's burning on the inside of you, and you need to make a vow of faith of a thousand dollars. Oh, Bob, couldn't you say twenty-five? No. Somebody's son is going to be set free from alcohol because of the thousand-dollar seat. Somebody is going to avoid a divorce because of the thousand-dollar seat. Some girl on drugs whose mama's been praying for her is going to be set free from drugs because of the thousand. That was yesterday's prosperity preachers. But let's be honest, the undercurrents of today's modern gospel has all the same hallmarks. You know, God wants to give you stuff. He, he wants to get you, get you that promotion. He wants to offer you things. He wants to make you happy. And you only need to do X, Y, and Z. You know, the envision it, speak it into existence, see it in your mind, have a vision, confess it. Often missing from these sermons is the value of hard work. You know, roughing it up, you know, rolling up the sleeves, getting dirty, working a little bit of overtime. Even the idea of studying and applying yourself with knowledge to make great decisions. Some of us have to go back and learn new trades and learn new skills and adapt and adopt to a new economy. Often those discussions are left outside of the church. Or how about the good principles that we learn in scripture about being a just steward and saving your money and investing it wisely, not being frivolous with it. Uh, and yes, even being a cheerful giver. Many and many of those ideas and important doctrines have been lost. That's why this week we're going to talk about biblical prosperity. What is it and what it's not? Stay tuned. All right, all right. So we are back. Another day, another night. I have my friend Josh with me, brother in the Lord. And we are going to discuss some stuff that I know is near and dear to his heart, is in in my too, because I think we both kind of grew up in this uh, environment. And uh, it's something that I think uh, we've been praying about talking about over the last couple of weeks about how do we approach this conversation before we get started, let's pray. Um, and then, and then, uh, do our norm of, uh, uh, how was church? So let's pray father in the name of Jesus. We thank you. We thank you for the opportunity that we get to come and share your word and share our experiences and, and just have just casual conversation, Lord, about, you know, your word and how you desire to prosper us. And what does that mean? And uh, what is it, it does not mean? And so we just ask that you illuminate the eyes of our understanding, that your spirit 
speak and reveal your living and active word, your word, Lord, your scripture to our hearts. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 So, Josh, talk to me a little bit about Sunday. How was it? Sunday was nice. We're still in the book of John, as we've had the whole year. But it made me think of, of my brother Isaac, uh, what he was talking about a few weeks ago about when we we're doing the communion. Mm-hmm. And uh, our, our pastor, man, you know, he talked about First Corinthians as some people got sick uh, by not taking the the supper properly and some people even died. Uh, I thought it was beautiful, man, how we had to emphasize. It's what Isaac was saying that he was teaching his, his children. It's how, how the seriousness of, of the communion, of what it is. And, and man, I, I love that. I, I love my new church. I'm very happy in it. And it's because it's a teaching church. You know, they teach the truth. You know, they're not, oh, anybody can take it. It's fine. No, it, it, it's the emphasize. You look, if you're not serious about it, don't bother with it because this could happen. And then, you know, they go with the word and teach it, man. And, and it was beautiful. It, uh, to me, that, that's always beautiful. That's awesome. That's that's really good to hear. I, I have um, had the unfortunate occurrence where I was scheduled to start working again on Sunday. Um, so I've had to substitute uh, some of my fellowship time with a small group. And it just happened to be when I started working again on Sunday, the small group took, they take breaks. But what's really cool about the small groups is that even when you stop meeting as a small group, they still like desire to be together. So they did like a game night and invited everybody over and we played something called Mexican train. And and I didn't didn't know what that was. Mexican train dominoes. That was a very interesting experience. (laughs) So I I told them, I was like, okay, well, we're going to play Puerto Rican train next week. And we're going to, we're all making jokes, but it was a good time in fellowship, especially when you're in a new church. You certainly want to have time to get to know people, and and uh, and that was a little refreshing for me. But um, definitely uh, looking forward to going back on Sundays and getting that same schedule that I had. So I I only I think it's only temporary. So I pray uh, that that that's something that's opening up for me. But I'm happy to hear that was a. A great experience for you. Um, we are talking about today for for our viewers about the prosperity gospel. Now, you know, I, I, I don't know. I'm a little perplexed by this because I asked myself, is this still a thing? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, is it still a thing? Um, and to some degree it is because... While it doesn't manifest itself, I, I mean, I got to be honest, I think um, most people would look at some of the antics that we've seen in the past, and and I put some of those videos up today, but um, we've seen some of these antics. I think most people would go, that's insanity. Um, however, we see them manifest in different ways today. Contextually, you'll have... Um, Maybe not so much the prosperity gospel, but a sort of happy feely um, approach to the gospel where God wants to make you happy. He wants to give you a raise. He wants to give you stuff. And and it masquerades itself under the same principle, but it masquerades itself differently. Now, um, I know in our culture, that's still a very prevalent thing. 
And so within the Hispanic community, and that's the best way I can describe it, in the Hispanic community, maybe even in the African-American community, there's still a huge push in this prosperity idea of biblical prosperity. Um, and so I, I guess what I want to do is focus a little bit on, on the theology. And, um, and, and so what are some of the errors from a, from a big perspective we have seen when it comes to, from a theological perspective, about the prosperity gospel? Yeah, I think I think the difference now, Ben, is where before there were you know like like the video you you played at the beginning, it's uh, they were blunt. They will tell you, "Oh, send me a thousand bucks, you're gonna get this." Now everybody's more tech savvy. Now it's you need to subscribe, you need to get my book, you need to do this because we're gonna be blessed by that book. You understand? So it's everything's evolved a little bit, you know, with technology where, where some of them, they don't even sell anything. It's they just want the views, you know, so so they go and they they do, you know, a shocking title. They put the little face like, like that, <laughs> you know, for everybody to click on it. And, and they're getting money that way. I think your thing got disconnected. Oh but, my but God. That is, Yo, I laughed so hard that I knocked my headset off. <laughs> how are every single every single Ruslan's video? He has that face, that stupid face. <laughs> you know, it, 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 that's to bring people. Oh my God, what shocking thing is he going to say? So again, it's a different type of manipulation where before it was, you know, <laughs> hey, do this to, to get money. Where now it's, it's, you know, the stupid face, you know, in shock. So, you know, that's a good point because speaking of Ruslan, he did a good video. Um, and I, I enjoy his content, um, not all of it. My my wife sometimes sits through it and she's like, no, I can't take it anymore. This is clickbait. <laughs> and she gets mad. Um, yeah. But he does have something interesting. He was he was mentioning how, uh, what's his name from Todd? Uh, what's that? Uh, Todd something that passed away? Todd White. Yeah, uh, Todd White. The dreadlocks. Yeah, Todd. No, not Todd White. El otro, for, uh, the church that um, Todd Bentley. No, the 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 church that did that really big Easter extravaganza. Oh, that had Ma a, Michael Todd. Michael, Michael Todd. Todd. Michael Todd. There you go. And so um, it's sad. It's sad how I know all these names. Yeah. <laughs> right. So Mike. So he was talking about Michael Todd. Like, does these on purpose, and he feels that all the YouTubers, like they freak out about it, get upset about it, put it up. And, and Michael Todd gets all of these clicks and views. So yeah. at the end, really, he's really doing it for clicks and views. And maybe that's a revenue stream. And that's just all part yeah. of, of what you're talking about. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It, it, again, it, it's the evolution of technology, you know, it, mm. it's, let's do a bunch of videos. Let, let's, you know, let's, let's get as many views as we can because now YouTube is going to pay us, you know, because of the views. So at the end of the day, it's not, you don't have to, you don't have to be manipulating people in a way of saying, oh, you know, send us a thousand dollars for the prayer. But now it's come look at me, even if it's for two seconds, because that one view is going to give me five cents or seven cents, depending, you know, how many, how much ad revenue you add to your, to your videos. Yeah. Wow. Okay. So that's a good point. That's an excellent point. So we've gotten savvy. Technology has gotten savvy. Um, and so just from a bigger perspective, zooming out, what are some of the theological implications? What are some of the, the problems 
um, with that. And, you know, because uh, I, I kind of go back and I think to myself, well, let's think about prosperity, right? Mm -hmm. Like, let's define it because on the one end, I think we can go too far and say, um, you know, God can't prosper someone. And, and then throughout scripture, we did see, well, there were times when Paul had, and there were times when he didn't. And, yeah. and, and you look at, you know, Solomon and you look at King David and you look at all these different figures in scripture and there were times of prosperity and there were times. So I don't think we're saying that God can't prosper a person for a particular purpose or objective that he has. Um, but when we're talking about the error of the prosperity gospel, what, what exactly are we saying? Well, I remember one time I went to a church and again, we go back to, to what is grace and what grace is not. And, and what covenant are we on? Are we in the old covenant, the new covenant? And a lot of the churches, and, and I know we started with YouTube, but let, let's go now to the churches, to the smaller churches, you know, what, what we're going to encounter uh, locally and, and, and around. And, and the problem that I'm seeing a lot, it's again, they're mixing law with grace. And to this church that I went to, I remember, I think uh, they were, I have it written down here, so I don't mess it up. So they were talking about Exodus 23, 25 through 27. And the, the pastor was saying, because you shall, you shall serve the Lord and he will bless your bread and your water. He will take your sickness away from among you. None shall miscarry or be barren in your land, blah, blah, blah. So he was talking about that, about Exodus. You understand the promises of God. And he was saying, of course, if you serve the Lord, these are the blessings that you're going to receive. You understand? Without, you know, without breaking down, who was that said to? You understand? Uh, not only that, I know some of the people in the congregation uh, had had many miscarriages because, you know, they had talked about it. You know, and I'm saying so. So you're saying that this is for us now. But how come this person, which is faithful, which, you know, it, it's a great person. How come they have so many miscarriages? You know, how come this person is out of work? So, again, they're, they're mixing. They're, they're not breaking down the word of God properly. And, and they're applying everything as it is for now, mixing law mixing grace, mixing stuff that was already either fulfilled or, or, you know, it wasn't for us. So a lot of this stuff, it has to do with interpretation and that is shocking, you know, where, where, where they tell you stuff like this as it is for the church. And, and I think that, you know, that, that, that's so wrong, man. Like, like, come on, man, just read a little bit back, read a little bit forward. Who is it, who is it talking to? And, and stuff like that, it, it's some of the stuff, some of the errors that we see. And, and it's that uh, some of these preachers, they, you know, uh, again, uh, I'm not a pastor and I don't want to I don't want to be throwing darts when when I know how hard it is to be a pastor. You know, the heart, I, I think the pastors have a special heart. You understand? But again, if you're called to to an office of a pastor, you, you need to at least you know, spend time reading the word enough and, and, you know, have a few commentaries. Listen to other preachers on, on what those verses are about if you're not sure, instead of deceiving the congregation or just telling them what they want to hear. 
Right. And, and I think that that's a big error that we see now, where they're mixing this law. They're they're not interpreting the, the you know the Bible correctly and applying stuff that's not for us now in the new covenant. Believers under grace, and and they're you know they're just destroying a lot of people. Yeah, yeah. I think I think you know one of the things that I've noticed is especially in in, in our community, if you go into South Florida or any community for that matter. Uh, that's a minority community, primarily Hispanic. You really yeah. don't find a lot of people who, and, and I'm not saying this is a requirement, but you really don't find people that have graduated from a seminary that have yeah. gone through just sort of that discipline. And one of the things that I learned in seminary where they teach you is how to methodically look at the scripture, understand the historical context understand hermeneutic principles, how to interpret, how to understand continuity, right? So in scripture, if there's a verse and you pull out an interpretation and it contradicts another one, then you probably got the wrong interpretation, yeah. right? And so you got to make it gel. So you can't have Paul saying one thing one place and Paul saying something somewhere else and the and what you're affirming contradicts each other. So there, yeah. there's a sort of sowing and threading through scripture and you have to do that carefully and analytically so i understand what you're talking about and on the same token i'm not saying that you have to go to seminary but i like the point you made at the very minimum you have to be able to then learn and be open to learning and sitting down and, and using resources to kind of guide your way to how to properly interpret scripture now one of the one of the key aspects i think you're hitting on is the idea of uh, uh, inspiration, when we talk about scripture being inspired, one of the flaws that we find here is that uh, when the author penned that book, um, what's inspired and what makes it inspired is that what the author was trying to communicate, right? So when we read the Bible, and you said Leviticus, or you say any other verse in the Bible, we have to understand what the author was trying to communicate at that time and to who he was trying to communicate. And that is the inspired word. There is something called reader response where it's a way of interpreting scripture where you read it and then you try to contextualize it for your life today. And yeah. then, of course, that's where we end up in the era. So I, I completely understand you're coming from where you're coming from. Now, what do you think we got wrong when we're really talking about prosperity? Uh, for me, when I think of prosperity, I think the world's version of prosperity is completely different than what Scripture means by prosperity. Um, do you see that? Or do you think it means the same thing? Or do you think... When the scripture's talking about prosperity, it, it has a different connotation to it. Yeah, it, it's what, what's prosperity to the world is is be rich, you know, be every weekend out in the yacht with the family or by yourself with your girlfriends. Uh, you know, it, it, that that's what the world sees. The world sees money. That's prosperity is money. They don't see anything else. I don't, you know, you don't see a guy that, that lives with his family by himself, uh, having fun on a weekend, you know, but driving in a crappy car, prosperity to someone. When to me, that's the world. 
you know, and, and that's that's what the world sees. The world sees money. It, it's the only thing they see. They don't see anything else, at least in my in my opinion, what I see of the opinions of, of people in the world. It's, it's, you know, you're prosperous if you have money. That's it. Right. And and so, you know, one of the my difficulties, especially in grappling with this subject matter is, you know, when I think of prosperity in the scripture, I see um, the primary aspect is spiritual prosperity and and spiritual prosperity allows you to endure um, physical pro poverty and lets you endure physical hardship and lets you correctly manage real currency prosperity meaning worldly prosperity it doesn't let you fall into greed it doesn't and so when i think of when i think of prosperity i think of um just sort of a, a level of maturity spiritual maturity where i am prosper where paul says um you know, I, I want you to prosper, but as your soul prospers, right? And yeah. so spiritually, we're also prospering. And one of the more damning things that I think we find in the church with this theology in particular is the level of boasting that comes um, with the, the prosperity gospel, where we see people coming off and saying, well, you know, I need that debt. You know, I need that $700 million jet so that I can pray and, and not be disturbed by people or, yeah, I got, I got three, I bought three Rolls Royce. You know what I mean? I didn't, I, I have one for, you know, and they become sort of boastful about the money. And now you can almost see, okay, this is the world's version of prosperity. There, there isn't a God glorifying thing here. This is about material wealth. And do you see that um, still in play in the church? Uh, well, you know, what you're referring to, it's, it's you know, to the loonies. But again, I don't see anything wrong with God prospering some people. If you have a talent, you know, and you want to be an actor and God wants to prosper you that, that way, like, like that's not what we're talking about here because, you know, God could prosper you. And, and if you're, if you honor God with your money too, you know, God, God could even prosper you more if you're a mature Christian. Um, again, I, I don't, I don't see anything wrong with that. I know you don't either. Uh, but yeah, we see the abuse, uh, you know, and, and again, the, we, we can boast in, in Christ. We can boast about him, of what he's doing in our lives. But again, a lot of the people that you're mentioning, uh, they're boasting in themselves. It's look what I'm doing. Look what I got. You know, and a lot of times you see the boastfulness turns nasty as, as it's not God, the one that's giving me this. It's I'm doing it in my, in my own efforts. You know, it's because of what I did. And that's the problem sometimes, even with, with our testimonies, you know, it's all, oh, you know, because God took me out of this, but then, you know, but then I did this, this and that. And I, I, again, at the end of the day, it's God, the one that's doing everything. And sometimes we forget that. And that's when we get boastful. And, and some of the stuff you're mentioning, man, those jets and all that stuff, it's, man, if you get an x-ray and you get a little dark spot somewhere in your brain or in your lung, that means absolutely nothing. That means crap. All right. I was talking to someone one time about anointing oil and, and he will say, no, because you have to anoint everything, all that stuff. I says, look, uh, anointing kind of means separate yourself, set up, set yourself apart. Can you take all that stuff with you when you die? You know, and he was like, 
No, I was like, then why waste your time anointing and you separate yourself? You know, if you want to anoint yourself, do whatever you want, but separate yourself to God because a lot of that stuff you're not going to be able to take with you. That's right. So it's it's meaningful. And what matters the most when you get the little dot, the little dot, dark X, you know, dot in your X-ray, what matters the most is you want to, you know, spend time, you know, with God, probably talking to everyone about God. You know, a really close friend of mine, he, he passed away of cancer a few years ago, man. And, and that guy from his deathbed, he, he, you know, nurses accepted Christ from him on his deathbed weighing 90 pounds mm. you understand and, and to him that was the priority you know family members that were not christian man that's all he wanted to do is convert them you know and, and that's that's what we need that's how we need to act that's how we we should be you know spend time with our families and you know spread the gospel spread the gospel first then you know spend time with our family Amen. That's beautiful, Josh. I, well said. Well said. You know, one of the things that uh, kind of came to my mind is a lot of these modern, and I call them modern ministries, um, where you see how they advertise their ministry. A lot of focus and attention is spent on aesthetic, right? So they have the right clothing. They have the right shades. They They come out of their car and you see just sort of like, the branding that they're trying to build behind this ministry. And then when it's done, like they spent five minutes on the word of God, like they didn't probably even open the Bible. And I'm thinking who's getting glorified here? Like, and what is getting glorified? And that, that, that brings us to, to the second part of this, which is what's the impact of this. And for me, primarily, I think, I think the biggest impact is, when we began focusing on prosperity the way the world does, uh, essentially, you have to task man. And I think you mentioned something earlier where you say, well, you know, how about the people who were told you were going to get these blessings and, th and then they didn't get them, right? Mm -hmm. And you end up having to share a burden with those people because they're going to, in order to hold on to your, your theology that's clearly wrong, misunderstood um and let me just say on the onset that there are many good people who believe this there are many loving people people who love god but they're just errored and and they're afraid to unlearn everything they've learned because for the last 20 years that's what they've done and to take that off means to relearn something new and then and then the pride to have to tell people i was wrong for the last 15 years so i I understand that that's a heavy burden for some folks, but I want us to think about the implications when you tell somebody that number one, if you didn't get healed or if you didn't get prosperity, or if you didn't get the promotion, if you didn't get the house, if you didn't get the car, it's because you did not do enough, right? You did not. And so we take the focus where, where when Jesus goes on the cross and he says it is finished, right? And so everything that satisfies the father was accomplished on the cross. Jesus becomes the sufficiency of all things. Jesus is sufficient for all matters in our life. What meets the requirement and the satisfaction of God is Jesus. Not my obedience to giving not my obedience to earn something all glory goes to jesus because he 
met that satisfaction. And I think that's the first problem with the prosperity gospel from a theological perspective. It puts way, way, way too much burden on us and we can't carry it. Yeah, you know, starting from sin, you know, there's a reason why, you know, Jesus came. It's because we couldn't do anything without his sacrifice. Um, what you're talking about, uh, some of these people, you know, in the prosperity gospel, and, and again, man, I have nothing but love for those people. Some of my closest friends are, are part, you know, not not completely. And, and some of those, you know, that, that we're referring to where they believe some of these people that we're talking about. And I'm, I'm telling you, I have never seen such beautiful hearts, like such beautiful examples, what it is uh, of, of working for God. Because some of these people, you know, were, they're visiting hospitals, you know, they're, they're, they're uh, praying for people in the middle of a restaurant. Again, you know, I'm a Baptist, and, and I don't see Baptists, many Baptists doing that, but you see Pentecostals doing it. Uh, the Bethel, Bethel is, is like, you know, as close to hell as, as, as we can, <laughs> we can describe. And, and they have, they have a thing where they go, they go to, to, to a city and they go pray for people. Like, that's beautiful. You know, it, it's, I don't, I don't, I don't have <laughs> the guts to just stop someone, a stranger and tell them, hey, let me pray for you. You know, like, like, like that's beautiful. And, and if we could implement, implement that, you know, it, it's wow, you know, uh, how many people more will come to Christ and then we'll bring them to the right, you know, not denomination, but the right, the word of God, teach them the word of God. And uh, it, it's to me, it, it, it's beautiful. Some of those people, their heart, you know, telling them, hey, you know, I have, I have this friend in the hospital. I've had I have some of these people from a prosperity gospel church without knowing my friend or nothing, asking me where he is and gone and pray for that person, spend the whole day with that person. Like I've never seen someone do that. You know, and these, their hearts are beautiful. It's just their doctrine is not aligned with their heart. If we could mix both of them, if we could align their heart with their doctrine, man, that would be amazing. You know, the, the world wouldn't be where it is. And that's the problem. Amen. Um, I was, let me read a verse, uh, 2 Go Peter uh, 2, 13 and 14. Uh, it makes me think of some of these people too. It's suffering wrong as the wage uh, for the wrongdoing. They count a pleasure to revel in the daytime. They are blots and blemishes, revealing their deceptions while they feast with you. You know, so they're eating with you. They're, they're, they're feasting, you know, they're, they're trying to figure out how to manipulate you you know they have eyes full of adultery insatiable for sin they enticed unsteady souls they have hearts training green accursed children man and it you see that in some of these preachers and that that's and, and again where you see it the most is is who do we look at the most and it's these big churches because they have more exposure you know when we're browsing in youtube we see all these people with the big churches and and again uh, i think it was hillsong on that documentary of hillsong where they say that they send or oh, i don't know if it was joel Austin's church that sends their leaders to a disney training Okay, and the Disney training is how to how to deal with people. You know, how much worldlier can you get than Disney? Mm. You see, so they, they they send their leaders to to these seminars from Disney on how to deal with people. Yeah, like like again, you know, talk about it's that you know, culture. Training. 
Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's 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 it, um, the word train. You know, it it as an athlete is training. You see, they're training in green. Costi uh, Hin, uh, I think it was on his book that he 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 set apart uh, in one of the pages on his book. I, I think it was towards the beginning, and he says that how Oral Roberts will take his his uncle uh, Benny Hin and and will train him. On, on what to do, like, like, hey, this is what's going to attract the most people. This is what's going to get you the most money. And again, that verse in Second Peter, many, it just talks about their hearts. You know, they have hearts strained in greed. And you see how they pass it on. They're training in greed. Yeah. You just how to manipulate people. And, and man, that, that's so wrong. <laughs> that's so, man, it, it's just evil how, how you do that. Especially, you know, who who is he saying here? They, they entice unsteady souls. And a lot of times, who are the unsteady souls? Is these new converts that they still don't know the word. And, and when you're a new convert, man, you, you want to eat the world. You want to do anything for the world. And whatever these people deceive you on, sometimes that's your foundation. And and man, mm. uh, it's so man. It just so you end up growing crooked, and, yeah, yeah, and then getting burned out. Absolutely, absolutely. That that's certainly an issue. And you know, my concern is again going back to the impact. When we start thinking, you're, you're talking about the people that get damaged. The we're we're talking about also the the culture you create in the church. Essentially, um, if you're using these tactics to to gain money um and you may have great intentions i i tell you my experience on someone telling me to hold a ten dollar bill in the air and say it's a hundred but nobody knew just to get people to give and you see things like this and i'm thinking if you're doing that um with that situation you're probably crooked in a lot of other areas as well i remember reading um an article about a church, a very famous church. I even, I, I don't mind saying his name because it, it was publicly, it was an article released to the public. Well, Steve Furtick's church would have people stand up um, to receive the Lord, but they were part of the deacon staff. And they did that because they wanted to encourage people to, to give their life to Christ. And so people who were nervous or embarrassed to get stand up, they would see other people stand up and they would go, oh, okay. And then there would be people who would baptize themselves. Um, they were already baptized. They were part of like the staff, yeah, but yeah. they would go through baptism to encourage others. And then the people watching would, would go, oh, look how many people gave their life to Christ. Look how many people, you know, baptized. And it was essentially a form of manipulation. Yeah, and absolutely. that's really what it is. It's a form of manipulation. And in their eyes, it was like, well, you know, we're really trying to do it. You can say that you were doing it for for noble reasons, but uh, not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit. And and God desires to, to function 100% where he gets the glory and not our strategies. That those... Those are just some things that we have to think about when we consider these implications, when we consider, hey, you have to give for God to give you. You have to do X, Y, Z, or you won't get that healing. And so what type of um, implication does that have on dead works? And then in your experience, Josh, um, when you think about dead works and 
just for the people listening, can you just briefly go over what dead works are and then what are the impacts? Like what, what, what are the effects on people with dead works? Man, we just finished a study on my church on the book of, of James. And and who who talks more about works than James? You know, he's talking about, you know, the, the work on James. But a little bit of what you were saying before, Romans 16, 18, for such people are not serving. They're not serving our Lord Christ, but their own appetites. By smooth talk and flattery, they deceive the minds of naive people. You know, it, it again, you know, with deceiving someone, uh, that's not of the Lord. You know, when you deceive someone to accept Christ, what are you doing? You know, it's that person's not going to be a true convert. You know, he's not going to give their life to Christ because you manipulated them and, and you could use them, you know, for a little bit. But they're going to open their eyes. They're going to say, no, man, this is not what I signed up for. Nobody told me it was going to be this hard. You know, um, the implications, man, again, we go back to what I said at the beginning. It, 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 it's in the old covenant, you do to receive in the new covenant, we do because we received all. Ephesians 1.3 says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. You see, what are the implications? You know, what are, what are the works? These people are doing to receive. If you, if you accept Christ other, by, other than to receive salvation, you know, it, it's what are you, you know, what are you doing? They're promising you, oh, you're going to be rich. You're going to be healthy. You're going to be this. You're going to be that. Again, when, when you don't receive that, what are you going to do? You're going to go back to the world. And and again, why, why are Baptist churches and why are Calvary churches full of people from, from prosperity gospels? You know, it's because when, you know, half of them leave, you know, go to the world. The other half go to Baptist churches and they go to Calvary chapels because they want to hear the truth, you know? Amen. The, the, you know, it, it's again, it, it's sad. And then, you know, and then those half from Calvary chapel turn into... Calvinist. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that too, you know, but, it, but it's again, it, it's a thousand times, you know, I, one time I did a, I did a graph, you know, to someone that, that wanted to talk to someone from prosperity gospel and he was, he had been listening to John MacArthur. And, and, you know, I asked, at first I asked him, why did you want to talk to this person about tongues, about prosperity, about all this stuff? He was like, no, because John MacArthur says this. So I had to draw him a graph. And I says, look, you know, these are two extremes. John MacArthur is in one extreme and Kenneth Copeland is on the other extreme. You know, you, you we had to find a, a happy medium, you know, or a little That's bit biblical. more to the left. That's biblical. Yeah, we yeah. had to find, you know, that, that, you know, the word of God, you know, on this side, they're using the word out of context. They're, they're, you know, they're whatever they're doing all these crazy stuff on this side mm -hmm. this is where we are this is where you need to be but a lot of times the, the people from this side uh offend these other ones so if you talk to this person you're going to get into an argument it's not going to be fruitful mm -hmm. you know it, it it you know again you have to be very careful and again this is a person that is never versed in the word that right. he doesn't know the word very god very good so i says man you know you're just going to offend them because not only he sees he sees you as a little kid you know, you know, he thinks he knows so much. Just, just let it slide, man. I've already spoken to him uh, with the word properly, and and it's it's not it's not gonna end good for you, man, because you're just gonna leave the church angry, or you guys are gonna get into an unfruitful argument, which is not worth it. And you know that that's where he led, man. But again, uh, that works. Uh, I feed the homeless. 
what what worse that work it is than than to feed the homeless just for other people to see you and again i used to take the youth with me i used to take 20 30 teenagers with me and they all wanted to go and oh look at my friends i'm feeding the homeless and i used to tell them hey you need to leave the cell phone in the car, not only because you could get your cell phone stolen, but I don't want you to glorify yourself. I want you to do this because you really want to do it in your heart, that you want to help these people that even though a lot of them are drug addicts, a lot of them are thieves, a lot of them are messed up. I want you to do this good work in your heart because this is what God wants us to do. God wants us to help the less fortunate, you know, and it's not it's not for us to judge, you know, the, the crime they're doing, the crime they're committing. No, we're supposed to help everyone you know with a good heart you know amen so my mom i told them if i don't if i don't let you take your cell phone and take your pictures and show it on your instagram or or tiktok or whatever do you still want to do it right uh you know and i told them that's how you know if your heart is in the right place because if, if you don't want to do it when i take your cell phone away then that's the wrong heart then man don't come and feed the homeless i don't want you here you right. know but you want to do it because you love this homeless person that that cannot fend for themselves some of them right then that's the right heart that's the right work that god put in your heart right right amen amen you know the the one of the things is in, and we start thinking about this is the the level of burnout the 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 level of bad faith and and remember the scripture says that faith comes from hearing. And one of the main issues with the prosperity gospel is the misunderstanding of what faith is. You know, faith often gets conflated with presumption, right? So we say, I'm believing God for that Cadillac, right? Or I'm believing God for this new car. That's a petition. That's not faith. Scripture tells us faith comes from hearing God's word. And then the reason why it tells us that is because Hebrews further goes along and tells us that faith is the certainty of things hoped for. Now, can you be certain that if you tell God, I'm claiming that $1 million mansion, you're going to have it with certainty? Faith is the certainty that you're going to get the house. And the answer is no. There's not a certainty you're going to get that house. There is a, not a hundred. Like if I told you right now, pray that for certain, believe in faith that tomorrow Maserati is going to be parked in front of your house tomorrow. Are, and you're are saying, you a prophet? Hey, if you're right. a prophet, I believe you, man. <laughs> <laughs> well, you say, but pray for that. <laughs> and then I, and then I ask the same person who says they have faith, right? Mm -hmm. I say, well, would you willing to give up your house if it doesn't come? In front of your house and you're gonna say well no because the reason why you wouldn't gamble your home for a maserati is because there aren't guarantees and you know it and now yeah. here's the point then what is guaranteed how can you be certain of anything you can only be certain what god wrote in his word that's what you can be certain about so when the bible says faith comes from hearing what the scripture is saying is you you hear god's word and, and your belief takes that and grips onto it and does a gorilla grip to it. And that's faith, right? You believe God's word, that's faith. And you are certain that what he said he's going to do, he's going to do because it glorifies him. We also know his word says that my word does not return void. That's mm -hmm. why we, that's why faith comes from hearing. Now, everything else 
is a petition. I ask God for a mansion. If he doesn't give it to you, oh well. I ask God to heal me. Amen. We believe God still heals today, right? Uh, and so, so if, amen, if you get healed, great. If you don't, um, we don't have these guarantees, right? And so what, what, what I want everyone hearing to understand is if you misunderstand what faith is and the context of this movement, you can land in bad faith. And bad faith means bad expectations. And bad expectations also means burnout and, and feeling let down. And then you end up getting mad at God because you were told that if you believed, even had faith the size of a mustard seed, that you were going to get what you wanted. And it didn't happen. And I can tell you that I saw my mom die on her deathbed. And we called in preachers. We called in faith healers. We called in everyone into the hospital bed. And my mom just died quicker. She just died quicker. Right before we did that, she was alive for three, four weeks. When we did that, she died in, in four days. And so the, the idea is uh, to understand what faith is and what it isn't. And we have to get there. Yeah, it, we talked uh, a few weeks ago. We talked about uh, toxic people, and one of the one of the things that we brought up was the toxic faith. <laughs> and yeah. that, that's what it leads. Now you're talking about it. You know, he brought it back. Uh, you know, he brought it back to my mind. And and man, the, the abuse, uh, the, the burden that that some some of these people put on their congregation again. Uh, uh, Everybody that serves in a church, except for a few people, we're all volunteers. You understand, and and some people don't understand that. They, you know, man, when you love God, you want to work for God. That's that's how I am and my family too. You see it where we, we're new to this church. This is a big church, and you had to go through certain certain classes. You had to do certain things before you could serve. And man, uh, the first few months, man, me and my family, we were like, man, like drug addicts, like for real. We're like, like, man, look at these person, man, they need help. Man, they, look at these bathrooms dirty. I, I could come and clean the bathroom. Mm. And, 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 and it hurts. But the problem is that there's a lot of people like me that they get abused. You understand mm. when, when there's, you know, when there's not enough people in the church then you see that everything falls in those people right oh you know, and it, they're the ones that are gonna go every time the pastor needs something done that's the person they're gonna call because they know they're available and then you know that this ministry needs this and then that's the person that's always there you see it a lot you know with with the 20 percent you know out of right. out of 100 it's always the 20 percent right you know in smaller churches it's worse because there's not you know uh, in a in a in a church with a thousand people that 20 percent is 200 people but when you go to a small church you know of only a hundred people you know those 20 people get burned out right uh, I, I got burned out the, the person that i was talking about earlier man that he passed away from cancer when he passed away he was in charge of you know of of uh, prayer service he was in charge of teaching the men he was in charge of, of basically like opening the church doing this doing that and when he passed away from cancer he passed away in two months they found out he had cancer within two months he was gone mm. 
Wow. And and everything fell on me and my wife, man, where we ended up, you know, I was doing on Tuesdays, I was teaching the men. Then on Wednesday, I was doing the, the young, the youth. Then uh, once a month, we were feeding the homeless. Then on Friday, we're doing the prayer service. And then on Sunday, we're opening the church, man. And, and we did it because we love God, not because anybody asked us. But again, it, there, there gets to a time where either you need someone to help you you know because if now you do get burned out and you get angry when you get burned out you get angry oh look at this you know nobody's helping me you know you're not doing right. it for what anymore now you're doing it because you want other people to help you, you want other people to notice you want other people and, to and you have to pat you on the back if it, yeah. right you have to because if you don't do it no one else is going to do it yeah and even yeah. even when we decided to leave our previous church the first complaint that i got from my three kids was we're serving in this church on the new church we're not going to be able to serve because mm -hmm. again my whole family was you know was serving my my two of my kids were in worship my daughter and my wife were taking care of the kids my other son was doing sound mm -hmm. so we were really involved in this church doing everything that we could to make the church prosper you know even though again the, the word wasn't there and that's why we left besides it was a a small church and i you know there was no no people my kids age you know so i wanted right. i wanted a church where my kids could socialize with people their age because man i, I suffered uh we did that class on on p on on us not having friends of men being alone you know the reason i think why i was always alone is because there was nobody my age with my situation in any church that i've been to you know, right. I was a 20 year old, 20 year old kid. My wife was 17 years old, you know, with kids, you know, right. You know, there was no one in that situation. And even, you know, once my kids were older, you know, again, you know, I was a, a 40 year old, you know, with, with three already teenage kids. So right. there was no one for us to, 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 you know, in that same situation that we could become friends and their kids hang out because everybody my age had kids that were five or six years old right you know? so so you know there was no one for my kids there barely amen, amen. You know? so that this new church has a lot of young adults you know my kids ages and i love it you know where now they want to go to church and socialize and and again we go back to you know how people get burned out and that's how we got to this situation but yeah but but we get burned out because there's not enough support sometimes and and the few people that are there they load falls on them in some of these churches right you know and again well, and, and it, because it's that culture right yeah. where where the burden is not on the burden wasn't on christ the burden is on you and you yeah. have to do and you yeah. have that culture where you're the driver right your yeah. assumptions you and rather than saying wait a minute wait a minute what does god call us to do and and what does his word say and 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 then and then are we prioritizing? I remember um, being in church, and you know, we were we you know we were trying to love the homosexual community not by agreeing with them, but we we built these little handout bags and these grocery bags, and and what we wanted to do was go to an LGBT shelter where they were thrown out of their house, share the gospel. We put a gospel track, share the gospel, offer to pray with them um, and love them. And that's it. And that's what we did. And then the church I was a part of were like, oh, well, you know, you're just agreeing with them. And, and, and we got a lot of criticism. And I said, this is the church that spends two hours having meetings on how much salad to serve on the food sale. You know, and, and, and then here we're trying to do the work of the gospel 
the very thing that Jesus tells us to focus on, and and it didn't make sense to me. I, to me, something was wrong with that. And so this is how things can get contorted and and wrong really quick. Um, we're we're gonna move into our final segment because we're almost an hour in. Um, but before that, we're gonna cut to a break and then we'll come back and finish up. Hey, thanks for tuning in. You know, the only way we know you are enjoying the content is if you like and subscribe to our page. Also, if you don't mind, share with your family and friends so that they too can be informed patriots. We desire to share all things America for faith, freedom, and pursuit of godliness. As always, thank you so much for tuning in. All right, so we're back to finish our final segment. And, you know, what I did want to do is refocus and really talk about what are some biblical tips to prosper then? I mean, if we have a desire to prosper, we we mentioned how when the scripture talks about prosperity, it's from a different perspective. I think Josh read that verse where it says, you have been blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenlies, right? And so, you know, in Christ, we become inheritors. The question now becomes, what do we inherit? And then how is it any earthly good, right? And I get it. I get that there is a desire to take these spiritual concepts and then make them part of our praxis, make it part of our, our the way we live out our faith. Um, and so, I, you know, there are a couple of things that we can talk about on how you can prosper. I know, Josh, you're a successful small business owner, um, and there are things that you've had to implement. What, what are some biblical tips when we talk about Christians without getting into the crazy theology, without getting into the, the crazy-eyed stuff? Um, what are some things that we need to do and, and that are supported in Scripture in order to prosper? To to me, man, it's, uh, you know, at the beginning of my marriage, again, you know, I was married when we were teenagers. Uh, and by the time my wife was 22, we already had three kids, you know, and, and we struggled. Again, you, you know, we were Christians and, and uh, we always put God first, man. And I, what I tell people always is, again, it's it's not to be missed, you know, mystic. I was looking at Kenneth Copeland for tips on how to prosper, you know, and, and of course, uh, one of them was, you know, you gotta you gotta do what God tells you, you know, you gotta like like expect miracles. You have to tithe, you know, you have to trust your leaders. Like it was weird stuff like that, you know, with, right. with no biblical basis. Again, it was it was for herself for me to get something, you know. But to me, man, like. Like people don't understand how how God provides for us, how how you know how how He gives us the strength as as a you know as a teenager to to deal with a with a newborn baby, with not having money in the bank, with not having food, with not having anything, and relying on God to provide. And again, the people that sometimes the people that struggle appreciate it more. You know, again, doing doing the book of James, you see it where James, you know, he addresses, you know, the rich people. He addresses some of the poor people, and you see that the poor people always appreciate more, uh, you know, any any gift that comes from above, you know. And we see it more because if if you have money, you don't have to pray for a car, 
you know you you know you have the money you could just get it but when you don't have it man you have to rely on god and and that's the advice that i always give every every person that's struggling especially in finances when you're young uh dude you have to rely on god and i have never i have never needed anything we, either when i started my business and even when i didn't start my business because i decided that my wife was not gonna work again not because i'm a chauvinist but because i wanted her to be with my kids you know being there spending time with my kids and raising my kids teaching my kids so i i sacrificed myself where i told you i don't know if i told you guys but i used to work from eight to five and i used to get out of work at five and i used to I used to own a, a little car wash in the beach where I used to work from five until two, three in the morning until I was done washing cars. And I did that for a while mm. until, you know, until, until we, we were a little bit better off until I was able to save some money, make extra money. And then, you know, I did, I, you know, I, I dropped that, that, you know, the washing cars that way I could rest, you know, and I did that for a few years. And then I started my business. And when I started my business, man, I am telling you, that I've been in the brink of, of, you know, not being able to pay rent, not being able to have food. And within, you know, within, you know, a day, uh, God provides, you know, God, you know, give me a sale or something will happen where I will get some money. And and that's what people don't understand. And it's to rely on God. It's, it's when Paul was in jail saying that, you know, I, I've had much, I've, I've had little, what you said earlier, you know, but it's, it's, it's our relying on God. That's what's going to give us that prosperity. You know, that that's what biblical prosperity is. It's, it's, it's knowing that God has our back, knowing that in whatever circumstance we are, you know, which a lot of times God is molding us to be better. You know, he's trying to teach us something, you know, but it's relying on him, relying on him that he's going to provide to feed your family. He's going to rely on, on getting you the job that you need, not the one you want sometimes. You know, again, you know, God might think that you need a mansion and he might give you the mansion, but he might also give you the one bedroom apartment, the, the 500 square feet bedroom apartment, because he knows that that's what's going to mold you into the Christian that you need to be to appreciate him more. Fire. Woo. That's, that's fire right there. Absolutely. You know, uh, first Peter chapter four, verse seven. I love this verse. It says the end of all things is at hand. Therefore, in other words, because he felt at the end of all things was at hand, he says, therefore, be, so, you know, what? I didn't like that because he felt, let's just put it under that conviction that the end of, hand, uh, end of all things in that particular context was happening with Nero. Therefore, be self-controlled. And he says, and be sober minded for the sake of your prayers, right? So. So the first thing he wanted us to be was sober-minded, to be clear in our thought, not to have uh, defects in our way of thinking, right? And to be self-controlled. And he says, and above all, keep loving one another earnestly, since love covers a multitude of sin. Show hospitality to one another without grumbling. Amen. As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's very grace. And I, and I just want to say this. I, I would say a good starting point, and I think Josh just demonstrated it by explaining to him his testimony. And this is exactly what it's talking about. Number one, um, being a good steward, right? I mean, I think, I think at the end of the day, God wants us to manage 
what's his. And he wants us to manage it effectively. And so part of being a good steward, Josh talks about working years, uh, two jobs, right? So part number one, you got to be a hard worker. You got to be willing to go above eight hours in the bare minimum. And and you have to stop this pie in the sky. I'm going to buy the lotto ticket and hit the jackpot. And, and we have to start thinking soberly, right? So w- one part of it is hard working. We have to be able to work hard for what we want. And without grumbling, Peter says without grumbling, I, I remember the, the parable where where uh Jesus uh, the worker and the workers in the field where everyone got paid something different. But the one that worked less hours and got the pay the same for the one working longer, that person who worked longer got upset. And and the response was, sir, did we not agree? Did we not agree on this amount of money? And so we have to, as a culture, as a people, get this communistic sort of entitlement thinking out and be willing to work hard. Um, I think, secondly, we have to talk about managing our money, right? How do we manage our money? And I remember Josh early on used to be into reading books about managing money and 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 all of those stuff and I and I know you still say I I I don't know if it was you who used to talk about a Ramsey and and all those like you know strategies on how to I manage forgot your... I forgot all that stuff oh yeah okay all right I remember you used to talk a lot about it but even people that I'm close to like read these books about how how to make sure you're putting money away how to manage your your money yeah I would say another thing is. Um, get knowledgeable, educate yourself on new skill sets. I mean, the economy is changing and there are things like, I know you have a copier business, but you also have a, a, um, a fish, fish business with, with, um, corals, (laughs) corals. There you go. And, and, and then you do a bunch of stuff on the side and, and, you know, and you use your knowledge on technology and, and and forums and you you do uh, these conventions and and all of these things and and so you had to um kind of dodge and move and acclimate and learn new things and challenge yourself what did you know about copiers before you got into the business i didn't you know it's it, again it god opened the door for me to start working at a, at a copier company when 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 I started in copier companies, I think it was in 96 or 97, you needed to have a degree in electronics, you know, on electricity. You, you had to be an electrician. You had to know about circuits and stuff. And right. I was hired, you know, being a high school dropout, you know, being, you know, then I, I got my, my, my night school diploma, I guess. <laughs> then, you know, in college, I was a dropout too. And, and God opened the door again. It's relying on God. You know, because he's going to give you what you need. He's, he's going to give you the perfect job. This is not, that's not what I wanted. You know, I didn't want to go fix copiers, you know, but that's the, the door that got opened. And, and that's where I've been for how long? For 20 something years. It's, it's Amen. been a while and I, I'm really old. So, so, but it, that's what God is going to give you what you need, know what you want. And, and, you know, it, it's, you have to hustle, you know, in, in this world nowadays. We, we live in the, at least us, you know, this applies to the United States where anybody can, can make money. There's so many ways for you to make money. The right. problem is that now with YouTube, social media, everybody wants to do it sitting down with a camera in front of them. 
right. and that's not how that's not how it works you know people right. from from my time uh damn i sound really old when i say from my time <laughs> but but you know it's it's you have to work man you, you yeah know, kids kids nowadays don't know what don't know what work is you know no. where, where where it's not from eight to five it's not six seven eight hours you know you have yeah. to work 15 16 17 hours yep. if you want to prosper and again the problem with with people not understanding it's you have to work 15 16 17 18 hours and you have to give god 18 hours you know, because you got to give God more. You can't Amen. just, uh, let's talk about going above and beyond. Amen. You know, I work on the street. I work driving around. I go from customer to customer, you know, and, and I, I, this is just me. Nobody, if you're watching this video, you don't have to do this. I'm a freak. Okay. I do this because I love God. Okay. But I'm listening to the word of God always every time i get in the car even when i'm fixing a copier if i know it's going to take me a while i put on my earphones and i listen to the word of god because i want to give god more time that i'm giving my my business Ooh. you know i want to i want to give god more time than that that i give video games i want to give god more time that i'm giving my corals and my fish you understand and this is how i live my life and again i'm i'm, I'm dumb I'm, I'm not very smart I, I you know with all the stuff that i listen i should be a pastor i should be amazing i'm, I'm not you know because you know i'm just i'm just not but again i want to give god more than i give everything else because i want to put him first Oof. all right that's enough for tonight i don't think we can take any more that's wisdom that is wisdom i would add one last thing and then we could you know, that we can close out the the night. Um, I would say if you want from a practical perspective, if you want, and let me just say the scripture is sufficient to address all matters of life. The reason why the scripture supports marriage and staying together and not splitting up and not divorcing, because the quickest way you can end up in poverty and your children can end up in poverty is by divorce. Listen to me. If you want to go into poverty and have your children raised in poverty, have a terrible marriage and get divorced. You'll get the you'll you'll find the fastest way to poverty. And the reason why God has the structure he ha he has around marriage and protections on marriage is because he understands the ramifications when that covenant is broken. Listen to this interesting um, statistics. It says, and this is done by the Fordham Institute. It says, above far more importantly, we see that the proportion, and, and I will probably say this just affects everyone because if you keep on reading, it goes to different demographics, but in, in minority communities under 18 Living in poverty decreases from 45% to 12% for married couples. Wow. So you imagine poverty decreases from 45% to 12% for married couples. So he says, to repeat, being raised in a married couple household led to the poverty rate for, for minorities to go down 73% compared to mother-only households. That is amazing. And so here's the thing. Where does that address in scripture? That's where it's just. And so when I talk about prosperity 
It's not about necessarily God writing you a check or you sowing a seed, you know, the seed, and it comes back to you. Sometimes mm -hmm. it comes back to you in protecting your marriage. Josh says, maybe it's good health, right? I mean, how quick are you going to go bankrupt if they do find that black spot in an x-ray, right? And so prosperity comes in so many ways, and we need to stop thinking of it in worldly terms and start thinking about the blessings that God gives us freely by his grace. And he gives us his word to protect our homes. And one of those ways almost eliminates completely poverty when you have a when you have a, a two parents in the home looking after your kid and making sure that things are going well. Amen. Amen. Awesome. Well, Josh, why don't you close this out on prayer? And um, and just really, man, just just give God all the glory for today. And uh, and we'll close out tonight. Amen. Well, I want to thank you, Lord, for today. I want to thank you, Lord, for for putting uh, this teaching in our hearts, Lord, uh, which is so important, Lord. And it, it is how to how to prosper, how to prosper in your word, because the word, the world has, you know, some twisted teachings on, on what it is to be prosperous, Lord. But we know what it is. We know what it is to be prosper because we, we are in you, Lord, and because you are going to prosper us in everything. You're going to give us the peace that we need. You're going to give us the love. You're going to give us the care that we need, Lord. You're going to give us family and people around us that are going to encourage us, Lord. I pray, Lord, that if anyone out there is looking for, for this prosperity, Lord, that you open their heart, you open their heart, their mind, Lord, to receive your sacrifice, to receive your son, that it's what's going to start that prosperity that we've been talking about, Lord. I want to thank you for Ben. I want to pray for Isaac that right now he's sick. He's not feeling well, Lord. But I pray for him. I pray for his family because we know, you know, once one person's sick, everybody usually gets sick, Lord. I pray for healing for him and his family, Lord, for them to be to be well, Lord. I pray for this podcast, Lord, that it is is just opening other people's eyes lord to your word thank you lord for everything in the name of jesus amen amen all right so listen the only way we know that this is of any value to you is by liking suggesting forwarding it to your families subscribe you know all of the above check all of the boxes and let us know that you're watching right uh you know uh, Get in there, comment, ask questions. We'll, we'll, we'll go on the following week and answer some of your questions. But we certainly appreciate you. And always the door is open to join the collective. Be a part of, of what we're doing here. We are making born-again believers, better patriots, more informed and more biblical, but most importantly, more godly. Amen. Until next Amen. week, we thank you. Bye-bye. Love you guys.